Hi everyone and welcome back to Cultural Investigations. So the first thing you might notice is that we have a new podcast cover. Uh, I designed this very recently and I think it just looks a bit more professional than the previous podcast cover and I hope you guys like it as well. Um, definitely make sure to leave some comments or something about the new cover because I am quite proud of the way it turned out. Um, so another thing is the announcement I'd like to make. Uh, as you guys might know, I have a sister blog, which is also called Cultural Linvestigations. And through my work there, I have realized a need for an organization called Youth in Herstory. That is the name. You can go to youthinherstory.org if you're interested in learning a little bit more or reading about it. But I'm just going to summarize uh, the, I guess, mission of Youth in Herstory and why I created it. Um, basically, I am currently working on a book about a woman named Toni Sender. And she was just incredibly inspiring. Uh, and for a little bit of context, Toni Sender was alive during the 20th century. She has passed away, but she was born in the late 1800s and she was a German socialist who then moved to the United States during World War II because she was also Jewish. And during World War II, obviously... Um, the Nazis were horrible to Jewish people and she was lucky to escape to the United States where she then um, later worked to the United Nations and just continued her advocacy work. Uh, she also left home at age 13. She moved to Frankfurt uh, to pursue her education. She was very independent and she went to commercial school there, got a job then later moved to France, moved back to Germany. So she really had a fascinating life and I was just inspired by her. So youth in herstory, uh, first of all, you might notice the pun. I am myself a big fan of puns, but herstory uh, is a pretty popular word, I think, nowadays because history is a very, um, well, his, there's nothing wrong with history, I'd say, but herstory kind of focuses on the feminist perspective of of history. And herstory also can refer to her story, right? Two words. So youth in herstory is particularly catered to young women. And we're essentially, we're advocating for historical exploration because I love the humanities. I love history. And I think in today's climate, we have a lot more emphasis on STEM. And I think focusing on history and the humanities is incredibly important for young people. Um, so I'd like to emphasize that. But youth in herstory is also allowing people to, well, not allowing, I don't think that's the right word, but it's encouraging people to look at these stories of inspirational women throughout time and kind of implement these ideals in their own lives to make a greater community impact. And it also is encouraging these young women to share their own stories, which is why we have a campaign currently going called Our Youth Herstories, one word, 
um, where you can submit your stories for a chance to be published on the youthinherstory.org website. And later, these selected young people will be invited to speak. So I think that's a really cool opportunity. And I highly encourage you all to go check that out and submit stories of yourselves if you are young women, but also refer any young women you might know that that would be interested in submitting there. Okay, so that was a long-winded announcement, um, but I, I think it's pretty exciting. I've spent quite a bit of time on this nonprofit organization, so I definitely hope you guys take some time to go check it out. So for today's podcast episode, we will be looking at a German-American publication. So this publication uh, was called the New Yorker Staatszeitung, and it was a newspaper in New York City. It was founded, I believe, in in the 1830s. So just a little bit of background. Um, Obviously, German immigration to the United States started at at the conception of of the colonies. Um, There were some German immigrants in Jamestown. And then the publication or the first German newspaper was founded in Philadelphia in 1732. So then the New Yorker Staatszeitung was around 100 years later. And it was targeted at the German population living in New York City. And there was a massive... German population in New York City at the time. So at first, the newspaper saw limited success because, well, the audience wasn't the broadest, right? Only Germans or people that spoke German could read it. And then only people that were interested in reading the newspaper, even if they could speak German, would be would be uh, participating in this. So uh, there was also the financial panic of 1837, uh, which was obviously uh, not the most beneficial for this new publication, which had just been founded a few years earlier. But even with these initial struggles, the newspaper continued to grow um, and it became a daily publication that even featured a Sunday issue. So by the 1870s, the paper was a massive success, right? Then in around 1900, one of the main editors, his name was Oswald Ottendorfer, he died. So the paper was sold to a man named Hermann Ritter. Uh, After the publication was sold, it began to fizzle out. And by 1953, it really wasn't doing so well. Uh, It was sold to the Steuer family. And it just continued to to decline. Originally, remember, it was a daily newspaper. But because of the the new ownership and just the way that the paper was doing, it became more of a weekly thing. So in 18, or sorry, 1989, the paper was sold to Jez Rao. So he has owned the newspaper ever since then. The ownership hasn't really been passed on. And I found a New York Times article from 2001 that kind of fills in the gaps. So apparently, the paper had a physical office in New York City. It was on, I think, 71st and Broadway until 2000 when the financial struggles caused it to, well, caused the newspaper to be pushed out. So after that, uh, Jez Rao and his wife 
ran the publication from their home in Sarasota, which is in Florida. So this newspaper is in New York, but they're running it from Florida. And as of the publication of the New York Times article in 2001, the paper was not really doing too well. The The article notes that there were typos in headlines, the papers were thin, and that one of the managing editors had quit. It was also incredibly understaffed. And just overall, it didn't seem like it had a bright future. But in the article, Rao, who was interviewed, seemed to be pretty optimistic about the future of the publication. So that's where the story ends. Uh, I could not find any other articles or updates from the New York Times or notable sources like that uh, kind of explaining what happened to the paper. So I tried to do some investigations of my own. Uh, the first thing was a quick Google search, you know, just looking up the name of the paper, New Yorker Staatszeitung, and I came to germancorner.com. Now this site, right, it has a copyright from 1997, which is ages ago, right? And that kind of, that was a dead end, right? The paper or the articles that they had listed there had not been updated, and it, it was very clearly an old website that had not been touched in years. So I kept looking, and I found the Library of Congress webpage, which listed the New Yorker Staatszeitung and Jez Rao's German Times as active starting in 2002, which is a year after the New York Times article was published. So that kind of got me thinking, and I seem, I've come to the conclusion that Jez Rao might have started a subsidiary or related publication uh, for German speakers, because 2002 is you know, a year after the New York Times article, and Jez Rao's German Times was not mentioned in the Times article. So the next thing that I found was from the City Council of Philadelphia, and this is from 2019. This is the most recent information I found. And it was a resolution titled, Honoring and Celebrating the 185 Years of Reporting by the Journalists at the Jez Rao's German Times, a German-American newspaper. So the, this, again, was from 2019, which is very, very recent. But after finding that resolution, I could not find anything else about the German Times. Um, the New York Times article mentioned that Jez Rao was around 58 in 2001, which would put him in his 70s right now, uh, which would be a very reasonable time to have retired. So... I, I, I'm I not entirely sure what happened to the paper as Jez Rao had owned it since the 1980s and it seems unlikely that he would still be running it. So maybe ownership has been passed to somebody else that has not been updating the the whereabouts of the paper on the internet. But other than that, I really can't find anything and it seems like the newspaper has really, really fizzled out. It might still be publishing um, locally uh, in print, but it does not seem to have an online presence, which is a little bit sad given, you know, the COVID pandemic and how nearly everything has moved to a virtual format. But that that concludes my, my miniature investigation about this fascinating uh publication that was really representative of Germans in New York City. As you might know, uh, 
there was a time, I believe in the mid-1800s, early 1800s, and also early 1900s, in which the German population in New York City was really booming, right? Uh, but as of today, the population has mostly scattered. Uh, many have moved to other locations, or they just don't kind of associate as as the German community of New York City anymore. Another consideration is that a German language newspaper is maybe not the most appealing to the general public that can uh, make use of translation tools and things like that with with more notable publications like the New York Times. Um, so the niche is just so small that success would be limited. Um, that being said, this was a fascinating investigation. And please let me know if you have any further information about what happened to Jezra's German Times or the New Yorker Staatszeitung. And, and I look forward to speaking again in the next episode.